some really neat things that are going on uh, around the world and just was going to share a, a little bit about what God is doing just to encourage you because the, the kingdom is on the move. I think the last time I was here I'd, I'd mentioned how it, it's, it's mainly just in the western uh, areas that we're not seeing the revival that is sweeping the world that there are more people that are coming to the Lord on a daily basis than ever before in the history of the world, that we're right in the midst of a great gathering that the Lord is doing, and, and it's, it's absolutely astounding. We were, um, just, just last month, I'll just share one trip, last month we were in Hong Kong, got back about two and a half weeks ago from Hong Kong, and while we were in Hong Kong, Hong Kong is a, is a very interesting place because you have uh, it, it's a major financial center for Asia. So there are some extremely, extremely rich people there. But then there's some extremely, extremely poor people there where you'll have a, a little tiny apartment that's, um, I mean, about the size of, of most of our living rooms where there'll be 8 to 10 to 12 people all living. And they just, you know, lay side by side you know, through the, through the room, and that, that's the, the living experience that they have. And so you, you have this, this wide um, gap between the, the rich and the poor. And God is moving in, in both places. We, we were able to, um, to minister to a couple places where there are people that, that are influencers in the media arena, in the financial arena, and in the church arena there in, in Hong Kong and and minister and give them some counsel and some prophetic advice, but also got to minister uh, in, in a couple different congregations that were mainly those that they're in the poor side. Uh, one, one of the things that happens in, in a lot of Asia, and especially in Hong Kong, is that uh, Filipino women come and become kind of like domestic help. Uh, they're basically servants. They, they get paid a very small amount, and they're usually given a little closet that'll be like you know, five or six feet by maybe ten feet that they put in a bed, and that's their, that's their living space that they get. Um, some of them are just a little bit bigger than that, but they're definitely not what we would consider a bedroom. And so they, they, they come over and they make money, and then they send it back to their kids and to their family in the Philippines because even as domestic help, you can make more money than what a lot of, you, a lot of them can make in the jungles of, in the Philippines. It's just not a lot of opportunity to, to have income. And we, I did a, a, a service over there, two, actually two services at a church. It's a Filipino church uh, where 90 to 95% of the people that came between the two services is somewhere between, probably right around between 1,000 to 1,500. I'm really bad at guesstimating how many people were there. But uh, between 1,000 and 1,500 people, 90 to 95% were women because of you know just being domestic help, and they're generally treated pretty badly uh, as a rule. I mean, obviously, there's exceptions to that. Some of them, I mean, I, place where I was staying, they, they, had a, um, they had a Filipino lady that was there that, that lived with them, and she'd been with them for 20 years, and she's basically part of their family. She was an intercessor at the church that they oversaw. So not, not all of them are treated badly, but they generally are. And uh, just shared a, a message about God desiring to be with his people and had over 40 of these ladies and, and over half of them was the first time that they'd come to church that gave their lives to the Lord uh, for the first time and just saw some beautiful healing of hearts as, as they realized that they were not alone. I mean, if, if you can imagine being you know, 25, 30 years old, freshly married, and your husband says, go off to some other country and make some money and send it back so I can keep on drinking. The kind of life that they live, just, and they just think of it as normal. And, I mean, like, like this lady that had been there for 20 years, and she goes back three times a year to visit with her family and spend time with them, that... that that type of, we don't even have a grid for that lifestyle, for, for what that would be like. And, and they're, I mean, the ones that actually get a job are, are, are doing pretty well, because they, they generally, I mean, they, they don't have any problems having food. You know, they'll have plenty of food, and they've got a safe place to, to live. It's just 
the emotional abuse that is um, that becomes a, a difficult thing for for some of them. It's just very. It, it's a very different place. But there is so much fruit. We we had uh, dozens dozens of people that got um, healing. We had somebody whose whose um, ears were open. They were 80% deaf, and uh, their ears got got healed. Somebody got cartilage in their knees that hadn't had cartilage in their knees, and it just keep on going. A, a lot of a lot of back pain, um, some shoulders that, that got healed, and uh, saw a couple deliverances where some very obvious demonic manifestations and people were healed. And it, it's just a beautiful thing seeing the kingdom of God manifest. And uh, it, it's, 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 a, it's an amazing thing, and, and it's related to, to the love of God. I, mean, that's, I think that's, that's going to be our theme this morning, and, and you, you caught it in worship, and, and, and the Lord wants people to recognize the love that he actually has. We, we, we don't know what love is. And so, I'm going to, actually, I'm, I'm going to pray, and then I'll get into to the message, and we'll, we'll go from there. Father, thank you that you are speaking love to your people. Your love never fails. Lord, we hear those words and they don't have the impact that they should have. Your love never fails. God, it it takes the power of the Spirit moving in our hearts and in our minds to give us the ability to comprehend the love that you have for us. The love that you've already shown, much less the love that you're planning on showing. And so that's what we're asking, Lord. We're we're asking that you would come, that you would release a, a greater measure of the manifestation of your Spirit, who is the love of God, to come and move in our hearts and expand our capacity to receive, to experience. Lord, not not just more information. We, We have the information. We all would say, God loves us. We're asking for more than information. We're asking that you would come by the power of your Spirit and you would make it a reality, that you would manifest your love to us, that we would come into an encounter with the love of God that surpasses the ability of the mind to comprehend, the the love that that is beyond our understanding. Lord, come and do what only You can do. Lord, You are love, and so reveal love in our midst. Let the power of Your Spirit release revelation of Jesus that we could be drawn to the Father knowing that we are chosen. Knowing that we are desired. Knowing knowing that we are loved. And Lord, would you let the anointing of your Spirit even come upon the words that I speak, that they would carry life, that they would carry the atmosphere of heaven, they would carry the heart of heaven, that I would be able to communicate your love. Lord, that your Spirit would come upon the words, that they would become spirit in life, we would receive life from you. And so we we surrender, Lord, we we surrender, we we ask that you would come and, and anything that's in our hearts and anything that's in our minds that resists love, Lord, would you begin to pull it out, would you begin to remove those things, would you begin to dismantle the arguments that we have that keep us from the experience of the love of God. 
that fight against the knowledge of the Son of God made manifest in our flesh. Lord, I'm asking that You would release those those powerful tools that You have given the church that dismantles arguments. So we give You permission to open up every door of our hearts, Lord. We we say that there's no off-limit signs. We, We just take off the off-limit signs. Lord, it's only fear that would hold us back, and so we choose love. Come further, come deeper. Show us yourself. You already know where we're going to end up, but I want to draw a picture for you. Because how I want to, to start this morning is, is just, just asking a question. If one of those angels that has stood before the throne of God since the beginning of creation were to show up to speak this morning, what kind of message would he bring? If one of those beings that had stood in in that place and seen the glory of God and known His majesty, was given an opportunity to speak one message to the church, what, what message do you think that they would bring. One, we've we've got to get a a better picture of heaven because many of us, when we picture heaven, we have like this romanticized version of heaven that looks a lot more like Hollywood than the heaven that's revealed in Scripture. If you want to to just kind of get a picture of of what heaven is actually like, when you you look at at Ezekiel chapter 1, and read through Revelation chapter 4, and I think it's Revelation 7, there's, there's a few different places where, where, where the veil is pulled back and we get to see into what heaven actually looks like. We, we get to get a picture of what it would be like to be in that place. Because it's not a picture of some people floating around on clouds with little harps in their hands waiting to get a halo. That's not the heaven that we have been invited into. The heaven that we've been invited into is the centerpiece, is the very throne of God. I'm just going to take some of the pieces from Revelation 4 and Ezekiel 1 and just draw you a picture of what it looks like when you come into that place. What would you experience when you were to look upon that throne, when you were to look upon that place? It starts, and Ezekiel kind of starts, because he comes from a distance, and the throne begins to come close. At first, he thought it was a whirlwind. He thought it was just this this swirling of light that he was watching, because there was so much movement, so much activity, that he couldn't make out anything other than just this swirl that was happening. And as it began to come closer, he began to, to recognize pieces and parts of that swirl, that in the midst of the swirl, that there were things that were going on. And he starts by describing the, these, these four creatures. Not little babies with wings, little tiny stork wings. And, but the, these creatures, these majestic beings that, that look like they're, they're burnished bronze. Just imagine you're, something bronze that has been in the fire to the point where it's glowing red hot. But it's not just glowing red hot. The the glowing red that's inside of it is actually moving inside of it. And and, and from the the waist up, 
or the waist down. I always forget which one. From the waist, let's say the, from the waist up, it's contained. Right? You, you can see the form, the basic form of what looks kind of like a man. Not a man, but what looks kind of like a man. A basic form. You've got a torso. You, you, you've got a head that is completely the, this burnished bronze, this fire that is contained, but from the waist down it's completely uncontained. It says that the fire is flashing forth, that the flames are coming out through whatever would pass for skin or, or membrane or whatever that would be on this type of creature that is there. And, and it says that it, that it has kind of like the appearance of the arms of a man, but, but not quite like the appearance of an arms of a man because you can't quite see them because of the six wings, the, the two wings that are covering the feet and the two wings that are covering the face and, and the two wings that it uses to fly about. And the face comes into view. And the first thing that you see is it, it kind of looks like a man's face, but then as you begin to look, you, you notice that it's not just a man's face because the man's face is the first thing that you see, but on to the right it is the face of a lion. And to the face, and to the left, excuse me, the face of a bull, and to the back, a face of an eagle. Not a, one of those pretty little pictures that we get at the Christian bookstores to encourage us and make us feel safe. Because like C.S. Lewis understood, Aslan is not tame. And the God that we have is not controllable. And you see four of these creatures and they're, they're almost set, almost like four pillars. And next to them are these four circles. They kind of look like wheels. They're, they kind of look like wheels, but they've got really wide rims. But they're not exactly like wheels because they're more like balls because there's a wheel within a wheel. But they're not just things. They're actually alive because there's eyes. There, there's living inside of them, and actually inside of them is the spirit of the creatures that stand beside them. And it's almost like in the center of this circle where all these eyes that are all over the place, inside of that circle is a flame that is the spirit of these creatures that are flames that are semi-contained and semi-uncontained. And out of these creatures and out of these wheels are these lights that just keep on flashing. It's like little pieces of flame and little pieces of light just rip out of them and they begin to move around them, which is part of the swirl that Ezekiel originally saw. And in the center of the four of them, there's an altar. There's an altar, but it, 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 looks, like a, it's, it looks like an altar of incense. It's this little square. It, it's perfectly square going around this way, but it's, it's twice as tall as it is wide in any direction. But that altar is not just a piece of metal. That altar is a golden altar, and that altar speaks, according to Revelation. That voice comes out of it. The, the altar is alive. And it's releasing the smoke, which is the incense, which is the prayers of the saints, that, that every prayer that ever gets prayed goes through that altar to become part of the atmosphere of heaven that surrounds the throne of God, becoming a memorial portion before Him to constantly remind Him of every prayer that's ever been prayed. And as the smoke rises up, you notice that there is this platform. It, it, it kind of looks like a platform. It kind of looks like this really flat expanse, but it, it looks like it's a sea. It, it's this sapphire. It's this deep, beautiful blue, but it's so still, even though it's liquid, that it's unmoved by all of the activity that is going on around it. And you're starting to realize that what you're looking like at kind of looks like a chariot. You have the four corners in this square, and then on top of it, you have a throne. And on the throne, 
this, this throne that's made out of light, this throne that's made out of light that has all the different colors of the light flashing out of it, all the different colors of the rainbow moving in and out of this throne to where it actually looks like there's a rainbow radiating in every direction out of this throne, sits one that also kind of has the appearance of a man. It kind of has the basic form of a man, but this is no man. This one is also partially contained and partially uncontained. The fire moving. And inside of him, the fire moving. And and, and his face is so full of light, it looks like his eyes are piercing white. It looks like his, his, his beard is piercing and white. The light is so bright that all you can see is white. And yet the, 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 the hue that comes out of him, it kind of looks like a golden honey color, like an amber that is surrounding him. And around him and around this throne, you have these 24 elders. Whatever elders may be, are they old men? Are they old women? Are they just young men and young women that happen to be called elders? They're called elders. They're called older ones literally, that are sitting around and each of them having their own crowns and each of them having their their own thrones and each of them having in their hands their symbols of authority. And every time there's movement on the throne, all of those elders take their their crowns and they cast them and they throw themselves on their face off of their thrones I begin to cry out, holy, 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 uncontained. And all of a sudden, the living creatures that are surrounding them are crying out, holy, holy, holy. And all of a sudden, as you hear this sound, you, you begin to recognize that that's not the only sound that's going on, that there's so much more that's happening because the holies are in every direction. And as you allow your gaze to come off of the throne and you begin to see what's around you, you see myriads and myriads, millions upon millions, ten thousands upon ten thousands of angelic creatures in every direction crying out, holy, 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 holy. And they're not still. They're moving. They're throwing themselves down before Him. They're trying to find ways to get underneath of them so that they can abase themselves, and yet they keep on getting drawn in this movement that is happening of worship. And as you look at this, you notice that in the midst of this whole thing that there's this lamp, and this lamp has seven lamps. That it's actually it's one lamp, and yet it has seven lamps. And each of those lamps are living spirits. Each of those flames are the spirits. They're actually the seven spirits that are God. The seven spirits that are of God, but the seven spirits that are God. It's the sevenfold spirit of God as it says in Revelation. And you realize that these living spirits, that they're almost like they're containing, like almost like they're wrapped around, and you look in the midst of these lamps, and you see one that kind of looks like a lamb. But not a cute little lamb. This lamb has already been slain, and yet he lives. How do you see the slain? Is there, is the blood still all over the white coat? Uh, how do you recognize that this is one that was slain but is not slain, but this is one that was slain and yet lives obvious to the sight that he had been slain? But again, not like just a little lamb because this little lamb has seven eyes and seven horns. Makes you wonder why this one doesn't get drawn in our pictures very often. (laughs) Because he is beautifully terrible and terribly beautiful. He is beyond the comprehension of mind. We, We cannot get an understanding. Now imagine one of those creatures that have been circling that throne and watching and observing for thousands of years that glory, that power, that beauty. And he were to come into one of our services to give us a message. What kind of message do you think that he would 
bring. Let me tell you how to be a little bit more comfortable this week. Let me give you the four steps to success. I don't know if one that had been in that place could talk of such things. I, th I think he would be struck. Perhaps he would begin with the beginning when he began to hear the voice from the throne begin to sing and he recognized the sounds and the one who was light released light and began to hang the stars in their places. I mean, however long that day took and however time slows down or speeds up or whatever it is that allows, he named every single star as he hung it in place. Every single star. The, the, the stars just in our universe, if you were to speak out the name of every star in our galaxy alone, if you knew the names, you could start as soon as you could speak and you wouldn't be able to end before you died. There's too many of them. And our galaxy is a small galaxy. About 10 or 15 years ago, the scientists, when they were looking through their, their, their telescope, they found this, this thing. They called it the wall because it just looked like this wall of stars. It was just so thick. It looked like a wall that they couldn't see through. And as they began to look at it closer, they realized that it was thousands of galaxies. That this, this, this wall that they'd found, it, 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 I think it doubled or tripled the size of the known universe just by finding this, this one wall. And, and, and almost all of these galaxies much larger than our small galaxy. A few years later, as they continued to look, they found on the other side, the only thing they could call it was the Great Wall. It was ten times bigger than the wall. That many more galaxies. Now imagine the one that spoke. Maybe he would be talking about the, the power that got released. What, what was it like when those words was released? I mean, was all of creation contained where they could see? Or did it expand beyond their ability to see? What was that like? But imagine knowing the one who spoke and all of that happened in an instant and witnessing that power. Maybe all you could talk about was how astounding that power. And then he begins to focus his attention on this little piece of dirt. Actually, at the time, there wasn't even dirt. It was water. This little ball of water hanging out in the middle of nowhere. And he begins to speak to the water. And the water begins to separate from the waters. And there, was a, there is an upper expanse and a lower expanse. And he begins to call out. He begins to speak life into the waters. And he begins to call out the dry ground. And as he speaks, trees just appear. Mountains just show up. That the majesty that we call creation, when we look around this world, I, I, I haven't seen half of what's around the world. I've seen some astounding works of creation. And just speaking as they just pop up, and all the animals speaking, speaking, but then perhaps he would be struck by what it was like to watch this one that was sitting on the throne in the midst of all of this get down off of his throne and go and stand on the ground and begin to take in his hands a little bit of mud and mold it. And all of heaven watching, what is he making? What would take his attention to such detail? Everything else he spoke, and yet this he, he's holding with his hands, he's touching, he's forming I mean, maybe, maybe he actually strung out the DNA strands, each by their own, and put them together. How did, how did he do it? We, we don't know. We know that he formed. Did, did he form every organ and then put it together? Was it just the shape? Whatever it was, 
Imagine when he begins to breathe into this piece of dirt and the spirit, that fire that was inside of him moves through him into this one and dirt becomes living flesh. And all of a sudden, the image of God can be seen in creation. Maybe he would just be talking about how astounding it was to see the image of God released in anything. I mean, this glorious one that for eternity they've been crying out, holy, 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 and now they can see his image in something made of dirt. How astounding. How glorious. Or, or, or maybe it would be the, 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 the wonder at what it was like to watch this one coming down every day and walking in the garden and being in heaven and watching as Adam and Eve partook of the fruit and then they see him go down to walk with him anyways. What are you doing? They disobeyed. When the one who was inside of you, that was the being of light, that received all the holies from all of these creatures for all of eternity, decide that he was going to, to take of his own self and receive and keep the light instead of releasing the light through, you cursed him and threw him out of heaven. And you go to walk with this one that denied you? How could you? And yet they probably knew because they had never not seen a lamb slain. They had never not seen that lamb slain. He'd been slain before the foundations of the world. So maybe there was wonder, but the wonder wasn't confusion, but the wonder was awe. How, how could you care so much that you would do that? Maybe that would capture his attention, the, the, the mercy of God that he wouldn't just destroy. Or perhaps he would talk about the moment when out of the very bosom of the Father came out the exact image and imprint and communication of everything that the Father was that had been standing in fellowship with the Father from before all things were and watched that form stripped of glory and becoming nothing but a little egg. Not even visible to the eye. This tiny little vulnerable thing that carries the life of the universe in just a couple cells. A cell. And watching Holy Spirit wrap itself around this little one and deposit it into the belly of a little girl. What, what would it have been like to watch the one that was full of glory be stripped of glory, laying aside all of that beauty? And I mean, a little girl? A little girl. We know the story too well. We're, we're no longer shocked by the reality. A little girl, the God of the universe that had dwelt in unapproachable light for eons, And not just, not into the palaces of kings, not into the best that the world had to offer, but making sure that she was moved by moving the heart of a king to make a decree so that she would end up in a town that had no room and no place to be forever a prophetic declaration, will you make room for the one 
that the world has no room for. And watching this one get born into a stable. I mean, not a nice stable like we're used to, but a hole in the ground, maybe a cave, maybe underneath, dug into the the bottom underneath of a building. Dank, smelly, disgusting. From the glories of heaven to the stink of animals. Unclean. Mud. Manure. How long had they been there? Some of you have been in farms. Just imagine before they had all the nice chemicals to really clean it. Maybe he would talk about what it was like when the Spirit prompted him to go to a hillside where there's a couple guys just hanging out at night trying to keep themselves company, making sure that their sheep weren't destroyed by wild animals in the middle of the night and, and to show up and to make the declaration not to the kings, not to the Caesars, not to the rulers, not to the wise, not to the ones that would be able to help, but specifically to the ones that could do absolutely nothing. Maybe maybe he would begin to talk about what it it was like to watch this little three-year-old boy that is now running around and laughing and giggling and watching him catch his toe on a stone and fall on his face and not be able to catch him as he fell. That, that, the, the glorious one? Scraping his knee? What are you doing, God? See, they still don't understand because they're still looking at you and I trying to figure out, what are you doing, God? Or maybe it was when the very one that by a thought was thrown out of heaven begins to taunt the king of the universe. You're stuck in this body. You're hungry. I can make it a little bit. Here, just here's some stones. <laughs> just, just make them bread. <laughs> just, just, just do a little bit. <laughs> do you, are you really the one? You really loved? You really the son? Just, just show it. It doesn't have to be this hard. And not being able. The ones that could. Because when it comes to the end, it's just one little angel that's going to throw a chain around that one and toss him into the pit. It's not like the angels, the, the army of heaven is coming out after him. It's one little angel. Or maybe it's the cross. I mean, the cross is one thing. But hearing the very ones that were supposed to prepare the way, the very ones that were supposed to recognize, the very ones that had been standing in the holy place that was supposed to represent what they saw as home and asking for the Holy One to come, begin to mock Begin to spit. Begin. Oh, who struck you? Or the first whip that hits the back. I mean, the first was one thing. 
But then the second, the tenth, the hundredth, no longer is it just blood because the skin is ripped, but the muscles have been shredded. The liver's beginning to show through the back. Bones are visible. And the one that's going through it, biting the pain down, not even making a whimper. Not a sound. But God can't. Does it have to be like that? And then he dies. Surely now, surely now, we can vindicate the Holy One. Can we go? No, wait. Wait. Three days, they left him. Three days, they watched and waited before he rose. What, what kind of message would be spoken by one that had witnessed all of that? I, I think it would go something like this. Do, do you know who you are? I, 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 was, I was there. Before he put the stars in the universe, I heard him singing your name. I heard him talking about the, the compassion that he would put in your heart, the mercy that he would put in your heart, and how he was going to express a part of his glory that nobody else would ever get to see through you. Do, do you know what it was like? I watched him. He held on to you. When they fell, he called out your name. He remembered you throughout all the ages. When he was dying, he said, no, for this one I'm waiting. It's for Cindy I'm going to wait. Don't stop what's going on. She's worth it. She's worth it. Let it happen. He's been dreaming. He's been talking. He's been singing over you since before you knew. And his song's not over. His song's not over. I, I think that's the message. Because through all of that, there's only one answer. There's only one reason that would ever make sense. God loves you more. He loves you more. He's been longing. What is it going to be like to put a heart of understanding and mercy in one that will teach my kids, that will give them an opportunity, that will let her heart break over the misunderstandings that they have and others have over them. Who's going to show this part of my heart? Who's going to show the brokenness of God over the weak and the broken? She can have that piece of me. I'll give her that piece of my heart. You see, because it was all for the joy set before him. And you, you, you're the joy. You're the joy. You're what held him on the cross and wouldn't let him cry out for the 12 legions of angels. You're the joy that held him in the grave until the time was right. 
And you're the reward that he went back up to the Father to receive. It's always been about love. He loved you enough. You were worth it. You were worth it. Your heart, your creativity, you you were worth it. The secret worship and the secret tears when you feel lonely, you were worth it. He's been dreaming for eternity about you. As many as will say yes. Let me ask you a question. If love is that strong. If love, his love for you, not not for the person next to you, for you, if his love for you was that strong, do you think he's going to stop now? Do you think that the stuff that you're going through is part of a better plan? And it's not because... Did he really change his mind when things got difficult? Oh, I don't love him enough to help him with that. I mean... Already did all of that, and now they're going to make that stupid mistake? Forget it. The one that saw the end from the beginning chose you anyways. Because you're worth it. Because there's a piece of his heart that he gave to you. And nobody else can ever have it. Nobody else can ever show it. Nobody else can ever reveal it. Nobody else could ever receive it. You're the only one in all of time. Every person that lives, that's ever lived, that ever will live, you're the only one that has that peace. And you get a peace, and you get a peace, and you get a peace, and you get a peace. We all have a peace. And when we're together, we show principalities and powers what Jesus really looks like. No one of us gets that. But every one of us gets it. No one of us is disposable. Because he will receive the full glory that he deserves. And you being you is the only way he'll get the glory that he intended. See, it starts with you realizing you're loved. When you realize that you're loved, and you realize that there's nothing you can do about it, you can finally love back. If you want to turn to Romans chapter 8, I want to end with a passage
We're going to start in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing, for the unveiling of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly. Not because creation wanted it. But because of Him who subjected it in hope. Can I tell you, it's all part of the plan. Yeah, you don't understand it. You don't have to. It's all part of the plan. The futility, the difficulty, the struggles, the weakness, the pain. It's not unto itself. It's unto hope. Hope. He subjected it in hope. And the hope is this, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and attain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Jesus the first fruits. You next. You next. He, he, he dropped a seed inside of you. He, he, he put leaven into you. And it's beginning to move in every part of your being. And it seems to start out slow, but it will work its way into every part of your life. Body, soul, and spirit, you will be transformed by the leaven of the kingdom that He's placed inside of you. You will be changed. You're next. And as you get revealed, then creation can be set free. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit. There's more to come. There are better things ahead than there are behind. Some of you need to look in the mirror and tell yourself that. Some of you have been looking behind way too much. And you wonder why you're hopeless. There are better things ahead than there are behind. You're subjected to this futility in hope. Notice it doesn't say in punishment. It says in hope. For something better to come. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. That we would get the freedom. We would reveal the freedom. And that one day we would completely manifest that freedom. And that we would get to release that freedom to all of creation. That's why he chose to do it this way. That's why he put his image into a piece of dirt. That's why he inspirited you the first time and the second time. Now hope that is seen is not hope. I don't see it yet. Okay. That's okay. Don't let go of hope. Hope that's seen is not hope. If you already had it, you wouldn't need to hope for it. If you already had it, you wouldn't need faith. 
if he did all of that, is he going to stop now? It is the one that spoke a word and the universe appeared not able to finish what he started in your life? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Say all things. What does that leave out? Get that. I mean, really get it? I know it's here. It's been here for a long time. Get it here. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, before a single star, before the foundations of the universe, he was dreaming about you. Those whom he foreknew, he foreknew you. He knew about you before he started at all. You're the reason he did it. You're the reason he did it. Those that he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, the son, might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? If that one that did all that, if, if he's chosen you, He said yes. You only said yes because he said yes. You only love God because he first loved you. You cannot love him until he loves you. It's impossible. You don't have the capability. First John, we love because he first loved us. We don't love and then he loves us. It's not our love that he responds to. He doesn't respond to anything. He is absolutely sovereign. He makes his own decisions and he chose to love you and it wasn't about you. And if it wasn't about you to start it, it's not about you to end it. It's about him who is love, not you who are so lovely. You are loved because he is love. Of course you don't deserve it. That's the point. No, you can't keep it. You're not good enough. It's not about you. It's about him. He loves. And if he gave his son, what else? What other promise is he not going to keep? There is nothing more that needs to be done to prove his eternal decision towards you. The blood was enough. You have been marked eternally, you've been chosen. The blood was enough. He has forever decided his intention towards you. You are one who is loved. Period. You're loved. You are loved. You're not going to be loved 
You already are. You are loved. Because he is love. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Difficulties? Relational conflict? Sickness? Losing a foot? What's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulations, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. What are they going to do? Kill you? That's a free promotion. What are you scared of? You can't lose anything that you're supposed to have. And you can't keep anything you're supposed to leave. Why, why, why do you fight and struggle and war within yourselves? Is it not because of your own lusts that wage war in your members? You fight and you don't have. You, you murder. You have not because you ask not. When you ask, you ask amiss because you want to serve it, serve it on your own pleasures. See, when you realize the love of God, it doesn't change your circumstances, it changes you. Your circumstances can change. Healing happens, miracles happen all the time. But if you're waiting for a miracle for God to prove that he loves you, you've already missed it. That miracle will never prove to you that God loves you. If you can't believe in the work of his son, if that's not enough for you to believe that you are loved, there's absolutely nothing that will ever be done for you that will convince you. He doesn't do miracles to prove he loves you. He does miracles because he loves you. He doesn't have to prove anything. He is not insecure. No, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I am sure that neither death nor life, that's a good one right there. Sometimes we think it would be easier in death. But even if he chooses to keep you alive, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Guess what that means? You're included in nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. See, when you really get that, then you understand what Paul said in Corinthians where he says, and the love of Christ compels us or controls us, another translation. For we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all who live should live for the one who died and for their sake was raised. See, it's when you let yourself realize love that you can love him. Too many times we think that when we love him better, then we can feel loved. It will never work. His love first. 
And part of that is you've got to let go of this thing inside of you that thinks that you're big enough to change God's mind. You're not big enough to change his mind. Sorry. You're going to be loved, whether you like it or not. And he will keep on revealing that love to you. And to the extent that you receive it, you're allowed to love him back. And so my entreaty, (laughs) my cry to you is receive the love of God. Stop fighting. He loves you. He actually does. Amen.